Hi, this is Cheryl Thibault, and I want to welcome you to the Walk of Life, Passion, Purpose, and People. Our special guest today is Doug Shoon with Shoon Scientific, one of my favorite people in the industry, so I'm so honored to have him on this show today. He's also a contributing author to the My Lady textbook, which is a book that we use to teach our classes with. And he's written many books. Uh, he's written many books. He's got many patents, which we're hoping he's going to talk about today, all of the things he's done. And over the next coming weeks, we're going to be joined by a variety of guests that we have, all experts in the beauty industry, to promote the book, Career in the Beauty Industry, Discover If It's For You. And Doug is a contributing author to that book as well. So we're just overly joyed to have him with us today. So thanks for joining us, Doug. Thank you very much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, not as much as I do, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, so Doug, tell us about you, who you are, what you do. Well, as you said, my name is Doug Shoon. I've been in the industry for, oh, I, I quit counting after 25 years. <laughs> so somewhere around there. Um, I am a, a scientist and focus in chemistry. Uh, and um, for many years, I worked in other industries, but I uh, got involved in the beauty industry about 25 years ago, and um, I've loved it ever since. And uh, I, that's all my focus now is focus on writing, educating, and developing products for the beauty industry. Do you want to share any that you've come up with in the last over 20 years? <laughs> you've got so many. Well, yeah, there's, I, I, I don't want to mention brand names. I start getting into brands, but no, I develop products for many different companies and many different kinds of products of hair, nails, and lashes this is mostly where I focus. People ask me, well, why you focus on that? Well, because they're all keratin. And if it's keratin, I like it. Uh, so uh, primarily people know me through my work with nails, but I do work in the lash industry and on hair as well. And have patents in, 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 not in lashes, but in hair and in nail products. Wow, it must be exciting designing a patent. You know, that part isn't nearly as exciting as developing the product. Uh, and the reason I like doing that is because I get to work directly with the people in the salon. And to me, that is so fun. Uh, largely because I enjoy people who work in salons. You know, they're a, a unique kind of a person, uh, usually very creative and very artistic people. Uh, and most times they really want to learn and know more about their products. So it really is fun. But I think the main reason I like working with people in salons is because I learned so much. Uh, nobody can know everything and nobody ever stops learning. So it's a great opportunity for me to get in the salon and learn from the people who do this work day in and day out, find out what their troubles are, what their struggles are, what they love and what they don't like, uh, so I can develop better products and you know, make their lives and services better. That's wonderful. And you are a master at what you do for sure. So Thank I you. was um, talking to one of our other contributors the other day, Linda Nordstrom, who speaks so highly of you. And, and oh, Linda, awesome lady. Yes, she is. And she she bragged that you helped them with their new line. So we can mention that because she, she said it was okay to do that. And um, we were talking about education and learning and she made a very bold comment for sure that you even after years of being in the industry there's still so much to learn and every time she hears you speak she learns so much more about everything so 
would talk to us about education a little bit, maybe. Yeah, well, I love Linda. In fact, I love the Nordstrom's. Uh, Jim Nordstrom is really the reason I, I'm in this industry. He brought me into this industry and uh, really taught me the ropes. So I really, really enjoy working with them. And, and I think that's really kind of where my passion is, is working with people who want to get out and sell these products to salons, because I'm not a salesperson, I'm not a marketing person, and I, you know, no one can do everything. Uh, some, everyone should focus on what they really do best and do the best they can at it. So I focus on the product development part of it. Uh, but again, it's not done in a vacuum. I've got to take input from the people who want to sell this product and people from the input from the people who want to use this product and make sure you're covering all the bases and the best way to do that is by communicating and listening, especially by listening. I know you have a story in you that you can't wait to share with us. If you want to be a featured guest on the Walk of Life podcast, just go to the show notes and we will get back to you. Mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. So education wise, I know that you have authored some books where you continuously put your education on paper for everyone to, um, to source. Do you want to tell us about your books? Well, it's interesting. I said I would not write another book again. I wrote a book <laughs> called Nail Structure and Product Chemistry back in the 90s, and I updated it for a second version. And I thought that was pretty much it. Then I decided, well, you know, I got really involved in Facebook and other projects, so I thought I would start doing some videos. So I did a video blog series for about four years called Face to Face with Doug Shoon, which are like 15 minute little video question and answers. Well, I would answer people's questions. You can find them on the Internet nowadays. They're they're free. Uh, There's probably 250 of these videos with questions that I've answered. Well, I thought, well, people don't like to sit and watch videos all the time. You you can do a little bit of that. But if you need books, too, these books are videos don't replace books books can do so much more and you can look something up real quick and we can't go look through a video and scan through it and find that again you can find it easier in a book so if you want to show your client something it's easier to whip out a book and say look at what this says so i took those video scripts and i converted them into into three books three books face to face with doug shun the books volume one volume two and volume three and what these books really are are those video scripts which are answering questions from nail technicians uh, to ask that nail technicians would ask me because one thing I've learned in this industry is the main thing nail technicians want is they want someone who can answer their questions and give them a credible answer that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so hard to find credible answers that make sense and are believable and really are fact based. So that was really my goal was that not just write a book that was a lecture series, but to actually answer people's questions directly. Because what questions that people come up with are oftentimes better than anything I could ever think of. Uh, and it gets some pretty amazing questions that never would have occurred to me before. But often, if one person's asking that question, there could be you know 500 other people have the exact same question. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a great way to go is to directly address the questions that nail technicians have, but that makes them wanna ask more questions. For sure. So have any of those questions led to a new invention or a new patent or a new product? No doubt about it. Um, it, No one invents anything in a vacuum. 
um, you, you've got to, like I said before, you've got to have input from people. So oftentimes I'll be lecturing a question. Uh, I'll be lecturing and someone will ask a question like, uh, I'll talk about this product and that product and say, well, why can't someone just put those two together and make one product? Well, that's happened before. And I go, yeah, how come we can't do that? And then boom, a, a product comes out of that. And I remember I was in Japan one time and some lady in a salon pulled me aside and said, you need a product for dry crack heels. Dry crack heels are a big problem. <laughs> so I thought, well, she was really passionate about this. And I started asking other people, I go, yeah, you know, I never realized that dry cracked heels were such a problem because I don't have them. And I don't go to salons to get my dry cracked heels taken care of. So out of that, I invented a, a great product for dry cracked heels. So again, my, my goal isn't to make products and force them on the industry, but to make products that, that really address the needs of, of people working in the industry that make their lives better and make their customer experiences even better. So at finding a need and filling it, you create the product to help that need. Yeah, you can create the need or you can address the need. Um, both are valid ways to go. Uh, the first is the harder road to hoe because people may not know they need that. Right. Uh, and there's the value in that, believe me, I've done that too. Uh, that's a little harder because now you have to convince the people they actually need that product or they need that service. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, fulfilling an existing need or solving existing pain points, they call them. Um, that's really where the real value is, is because this is something that people can automatically use right now to improve their services, improve their customer relations, and improve their, their bottom line. Do you have a favorite product that you've created that's your absolute favorite? Wow. Um, no, I don't think I have. I think it's probably the next one I make uh, <laughs> because that's what keeps me going is is always wanting to do something new. I don't like to create things that someone else has already done. I call that me too products. If someone's already made it, why do I want to waste my time making another version of the same thing? Mm -hmm. uh, I'd rather do something that no one has ever done before. You know, that's really a harder way to go because you might not be successful, but you know, that's really where the challenge is. And that's really where the inspiration is. And that's really where your creativity comes alive because you've got to come up with a solution that no one has ever come up with before. Uh, to me, that's the most exciting thing. So that, that's what I love, not the final product, product that's developed. I like the process of the discovery and the invention. Well, that was my next question was, what's the favorite part of your job? I think you just answered it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. The, the discovery, looking up and finding out something new. Well, I didn't know that before. Uh, wow. Look at this. I can use that piece of information and tie it to that one. And I can bring them together and make something that's better than what's ever existed before. Uh, because someone once said, you know, no, uh, if I've ever discovered anything great, it's because I've stood upon the shoulders of giants. And it's true. Someone always has come before you and someone has always already done the work that lays that background that you take and now you take it further. You go further with it. You know, nobody invents anything brand new that no one's ever thought of before. It's usually a derivative of something that someone else has already done. So if you're looking at what other people are doing and you're exploring what other people's ideas are and saying, how can I take their ideas and make them better? You're on the road to success, no matter what you're doing, because this is what people want. They want to see services that are better. They want to see products that are better. They don't want the same old thing. They want to see improvement. And if you get on that constant improvement road, uh, your clients are going to love you and respect you and flock to you and pay you lots of money. <laughs> That's always good. <laughs>
<laughs> so do you think of products in your sleep? Like, how does this come to you? Because I know I'll wake up in the middle of the night with an idea. I grab my phone now and I quickly yeah. put it in and say, oh, I've got to deal with that tomorrow. Do you ever have that? You know, I sleep like a rock. <laughs> I don't even dream. Uh, if I do, I don't remember them. Um, so I, I don't, but um, I do get inspiration in other places. Uh, one of my greatest ideas came with laying in a bathtub. Uh, laying in a bathtub, had some candles lit. I was just kind of really stressed and I was just relaxing and laying there thinking about a problem I had. How can I solve it? And Without even trying, the idea just came to my head because I was relaxed. I was not stressing. I was just letting the ideas flow. And suddenly I, I, I sat up really fast in the water and flooded my, my, my the bathroom as I sat up so quickly. I thought, oh, my God, there's the answer. And I dried off real quick and got out and went to work on it. Sometimes just relaxing and just letting your mind drift and or meditation. Meditation, I find, is more valuable than, than sleep for coming up with new ideas. I agree with you 100% on that one. Do you have a special place where you love to go to meditate? You know, I usually do it before I get up in the morning. So I'll just lay in bed. and so I'm not going to jump right out of bed. I'm just going to lay here for a minute, think about my day. And then I just kind of drift into like a meditative state for a little while um, before I get up. So that's really because I'm so... Anyone who's busier than I am, I pity the fool. Uh, I, I am too busy already. So finding time to do something like that, uh, I never would. So that's why I, I make it a part of my wake up in the morning day. Well, that's great for people to know because so many people wake up to an alarm clock and run out and start the day stressed and, and it just gets worse from that point on. So waking up in a creative, relaxed mood yeah, that's what yeah, I, your mind is really open when you just first wake up, you know, you're really open to new things I find myself. So that's when I really like to think about what am I gonna do today? And then I get that down. And I'll just drift off into just thinking about really nothing, just focusing yeah. on just thinking about nothing. And it, yeah. it's really, really relaxing. I love it. That's awesome. So how long do you stay there and do that? Oh. Till noon? <laughs> oh, no, maybe 10 minutes. 10 minutes is, is enough for me. Others may require longer, but that's enough for me because I do it fairly consistently is why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to keep your brain active for sure. So you're almost like an Einstein to me who just, you know, I, I vision you with having this great big chalkboard behind you with all these little chemistry notes on it. How do you, how do you do that? Do you put it on paper? Do you use your phone? Is it apps now to develop your formulas? How does that unfold? Good question. Um, the majority of it is you have to work with a laboratory book when you're working in science. You write down everything you do. So you keep track of it. But you're doing so many things. There's no way you can remember what you did six months ago. And I have projects that last years. I'm working on a project now. It's been seven years. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember what I started seven years ago. To be able to go back and look at my notes is really, really important. Uh, so to me, that's the most important key to success is keeping keeping good notes of, of what you're doing. That's going to apply to anything. Even if you're working in a salon, keeping good notes is important because your clients want to know want to know you know them. So if you're keeping good client records and writing down who their children are and, and keeping that kind of information, you can review that before they come in. That's golden. Uh, so you can apply these kind of things, even though you're not doing science, you can apply these kind of things normally to your, to your everyday life and, and, and make, make your work better. 
That's so cool. Doug, how has the industry changed since you started in this industry? Because I know you're responsible for many changes, for sure, in product development and that type of thing. So how do you see from then to now? Can you share any of that? Yeah, I think the most important change in the industry has not been in the products, although the products have advanced tremendously. They're way better than they ever were before. <clears throat> but I think the really most important change is the availability of information. Uh, when I started this, nobody knew anything and didn't know how to find out. Uh, that was a bad situation. So people oftentimes made up things. Uh, it sounded good. So they would teach what sounded good. There was really no information available. And oftentimes you'll find out what sounds good isn't usually the truth. <laughs> usually the truth is something different. So when I got into this industry, I realized there was such a lack of information that that became a focus of mine to get information into the field. And I think I was smart about it because I didn't decide I could do that by myself. I decided what I need to do is get the information in the hands of the educators and make the educators in the industry have this information. And then they can go out and they can teach that information because I can't. I can't be everywhere. I can't go everywhere. And no one's going to listen to me. Uh, they're going to listen to their mentors. So if I can get to their mentors, if I can teach their teachers, that's going to be the key to the industry. And I've really seen that work uh, because there's some tremendous people out there uh, teaching in the industry, yourself being one of them. And if you can arm people with the right information and fact-based information, that's, that's power. That's huge power. And people can tell when you're speaking truth. Uh, they can tell when you're making it up and they can tell when you're speaking truth. And if our industry gets more focused on more people having the facts, a rising tide raises all ships. So all companies, all, all salons, all brands, everyone will benefit if we raise the education level in, our, in, this, in this industry. And I've seen it grow tremendously. Uh, what, I've, what I've found is that also so has the misinformation grown tremendously. So there's still a lot of that out there. Uh, but if you seek out the right sources and you tr seek out trusted sources uh, and you do your due diligence and you study hard and learn the information you need to learn, nowadays you can, you can know more than you could ever have known in the past. There's more information available than ever before. So I encourage any students take advantage of this. Don't just sit take what you're given, go out and look for more information because there's plenty available. Yeah, I agree with you. There is a lot available and everything's a Google search away. But in having said that, what I have come to learn is a lot of people, students, they go onto a YouTube channel and they may find the one with the highest following who doesn't really know what they're talking about and they take that as truth and and then you know they spread that on and, and implement it and it's not correct so sure. maybe can you touch on on that yeah i think social media has been a double-edged sword because it gives the people who don't know what they're talking about a very loud voice also uh so there's the disadvantage but you know what it's always been that way. Even before social media, there's always been misinformation out there. So what is the solution always been to misinformation? That's to informing yourself. If you don't inform yourself and you don't have the facts, you're a, you're a victim. That's what we call you, a victim, because you're going to be a victim of misinformation. People will tell you things you'll have no idea whether it's true or not. 
Uh, so you go around just disbelieving everything or you go around just believing what sounds good. We've already talked about what sounds good isn't necessarily the right information. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important not just to read titles or read headlines, but really to read the information and learn the information and make it your own and teach it to others, teach it to your student, to your clients. Because when you teach someone something, you make that information yourself, your, your own. Now, you might learn something that's incorrect. How can you help that? But the more you learn, the more the puzzle pieces start fitting together. And the more you start going, wait a minute, that's what's sticking out like a sore thumb. That can't be right because that contradicts these things over here that I know to be true. So this is where you get into the mode where you can actually start critically thinking, where you can actually start thinking and asking questions and getting to the bottom of the truth rather than just accepting what you're told. You don't want to be in a situation where you just got to believe what you're told. You want to know how to ask questions and how to find, get to the truth. And this is something that I think we, our school system really lacks. Um, people spend more time learning how to drive than they do how to ask questions. Uh, and we really need to question more, ask deeper questions, ask why, find out more. Just don't take the information that's given to you. And then you will build an accumulation of, de- of information that will make you more bulletproof against misinformation. So that's why it's so important to learn. A lot of people think it's useless information. There's no such thing as useless information. It's how you use, unless you don't use it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you get the information and you use it to your advantage, it's going to work in your best interest. So I tell people never stop learning. I never stop. Uh, I hope to learn new things today. And if you think you already know enough, then you're in trouble. (laughs) It's true enough. I actually, I I wrote in, in one of the books I put out it, I said, how did I write it? Live like you're going to die today but learn like you never will, you know, just, I love that. I love that. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love learning. I I love learning. And Hey, what's the point of living? If you're not going to learn anything new, it's, it's going to get pretty boring, pretty quick. Uh, (laughs) There's learning new things, man, that going new places, seeing new things, you know, new is what excites us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can do new things that are positive for yourself. And I think learning is one of those. Absolutely. And I love the words you use fact based information. And that's very true is, you know, facts don't lie when they're factual. That's the truth. And, and you're right about that sticking out like a sore thumb when you get to know enough about what you're doing, and it doesn't make sense. You need to question, you need to ask that why and that how and and the how come, you know, and that's one of my favorite questions is to ask people, what makes you believe that's true? So when someone tells you something, if you ask them, well, why do you believe that's true? Well, oftentimes they'll stop, well, I heard it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, then you know that's not something you really want to put a lot of effort into thinking about mm-hmm. because they just heard it from someone. And a lot of times people just repeat things they heard and they don't really know if it's true or not. And when you ask them, how do they know that's true? That really sets them even to thinking, well, I guess I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's something you don't want to put a whole lot of information, uh, uh, credibility in because it may not be factual. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I, I, opinions are important too, but they should be backed by facts. If it's you're, you have an opinion that is not backed by any facts, the chances of you being wrong are pretty high. 
So uh, <laughs> seek out the facts and make sure that the facts support what you believe. And if they don't, we'll try and find out why. Maybe maybe I don't believe the right thing. I change. I, I'm never. I'm not always right. I find out I'm wrong oftentimes. And when I find out I'm wrong, well, I change. I don't want to be wrong. I want to be right. So I admit I'm wrong. And I say, this isn't the right information. Here's the right information. And that's how you build something called credibility. And credibility is extremely important in this industry. If you don't have credibility, you've got a hard path in front of you. People need to believe in you and believe what you say and believe you know what you're talking about, especially if they're paying you money. Mm -hmm. For sure. And they're coming to you for that knowledge. So, you know, you better hit your source pretty good and make sure what you're telling them is fact-based information for sure. Sure. And, and again, the clients will know if you're making up stuff, they'll, they'll figure that out pretty quick and they'll just ignore you. But if they're, if they know that you're basing this on facts, they'll hang on your words. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you and I touched on this in, in an interview I had with you too, is the biggest fallacy. And I still hear it to this day. Well, I need to take my nail coverings off because my nails need to breathe for, you know, <laughs> can you talk to us yeah. about that big, big one? Yeah. I, you know, I really think that what people are saying is I need to take my products off because I've damaged my nails so much. I've got to let them grow out so I can recover from the damage I've created to them. Well, or that my style, my technician has created them and they call that let my nails breathe. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really just code for damage caused through nails. If your nails aren't damaged, you don't need to let them breathe. And of course, they have no lungs. They can't breathe anyway. Uh, or they don't need to take a break. If your clients need to take a break from the nail products, you want to think, how am I applying and how am I removing these products? Because most damage occurs during improper application or during improper removal. And if I had to choose the two of them, I would say most of the damage found on nail plates for, as a result of a nail service is from improper removal. Yeah, I, I agree. We see that a lot. Also, education. I was just actually talking with um, Alex Fox from the Olympia, and we were talking about education in school because she teaches, well, she does the Neolympics where people have already graduated and they're already a nail technician going into competition. Mm -hmm. But it's the fundamentals where people need all that education and information. And so many people think being a nail tech is, is going into a two day weekend workshop and coming out knowing everything you need to know. You know, and that again is what Linda and I talked about the other day is there's anatomy, there's all the chemistry, there's everything that supports the knowledge where you can get your fact-based information from. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's part of, I hear of this a lot. I hear this from teachers a lot, educators. They say, you know, students come into my class and day one, they want to start doing nail art. Well, I explained to them, we got to learn the basics, but we can start doing nail art. The nail art is like at the end, not at the beginning, but they want to put the cart before the horse. And I always tell people, just because you go on YouTube or anything, you see people doing great nail art, that doesn't mean they're great nail technicians. Okay. Just because you can decorate a cake doesn't mean you're a baker. Good point. Uh, a baker is different than a cake decorator. So just because you can make a cake look pretty or a nail look pretty, that doesn't mean you have any skills that will protect your client's nail and allow you to safely apply and remove and educate them on how to properly maintain that nail. That's a whole different thing than making it blingy. 
Uh, so blingy is nice. I get it. I love that too. I love nail art. Don't think I'm, I'm putting it down. I love it. I, I'm fascinated by it. And I think that some, there's some nail artists out there that should be in museums. Uh, they do such good work. Uh, but that's, that's the icing on the cake, not the cake. That's a very, very good analogy. I'm going to use that actually in my, in my course, because you're right. Everybody comes in and they, they want the fluff. They want the pretty, but they don't know what all goes behind getting to that point, right? You got to have a solid foundation to put that nail art on. And you're, not only is your foundation product have to be solid, the nail underneath has to have integrity and be solid. You can't build a strong house on a weak foundation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's certainly true of the nail industry. We oftentimes don't pay enough attention to the health of a natural nail, figuring, well, we're going to cover it up anyway. Well, that doesn't mean that we can harm it or ruin it in the in the process. We should not be doing harm to nails. We mm-hmm. shouldn't be filing them thin to get things to stick. We mm-hmm. should find better ways to get adhesion without filing the nail halfway thin. Uh, so there, there are a lot of ways of doing things right. And there's a lot of ways of doing things wrong. Maybe more ways of doing them wrong. Uh, focus on doing them right because it's going to save you a lot of problems in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's easier to prevent problems than to fix them. For sure. And disorders, you know, especially fungus and even feet and toenail, you know, people, diabetics, there's, there's just so much, you know, there's so much to know nowadays. This is, this is a profession. This isn't a hobby. If you're seeing this as a hobby, you should only be doing them on yourself and maybe your sister and not charging anybody. You're going to charge someone. You better take this seriously and you better really know what you're doing because you can harm people. Uh, people can lose their feet and lose their hands. It doesn't happen very often, but <laughs> It happens often enough to make it known that this is a possibility that our industry ought to be aware of. We should be doing everything we can, especially when it comes to infection control. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it is, well, COVID changed a lot. We finally, a lot more people got a lot deeper into cleanliness and, and sanitation than ever before. And even in my spa, when, when, you know, they shut us down for a little while, when we opened up, we had all these new rules and regulations and people are saying, are you abiding by all the new rules? And we're like, they're not new. <laughs> you know, we've done that all along. Right. That's such a good point. Um, yeah. I, I love that. I think that's a really good point. It, it has been the rules all along and now people are starting to take it more seriously. Uh, hand-washing. Uh, it's kind of sad that when the pandemic started, we had to teach people how to wash their hands mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of people didn't really know. Uh, so I think it really has changed the environment quite a bit for the better in that way. And I think people, nail technicians now are probably more sanitary than at any time in history. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just nail technicians, even the aesthetics, you know, um, cleaning your sheets. Some places use the same sheets between, you know, clients and it's just, you know, just stuff like that. But I want to talk to you a little bit. You also work with eyelashes and let's talk about eyelash adhesive. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you explain the difference from a sensitive eye to, I have actually heard people using crazy glue to put people's lashes on. So maybe when when, when you try to make up your own products and your own services you're going out on a limb and that's a risky place to go you might come up with something cool but the chance of you harming yourself or someone else with what we call unintended consequences 
It's there. So it's a lot better to use professional products and to follow their directions. A professional product is something that's, that's been designed by people who have safety in mind. Uh, they've explored it, ensured that it adheres to safety regulations. They create ingredients and directions that teach you how to use them and they provide warnings. So they said, this can happen. So don't do that. And that won't happen to you. So it makes your work safe. You go out on the limb and do this on your own, trying your own mix match combination of things and creating your own systems. Uh, that's a lot riskier. So my advice is follow directions and use the products as they were intended to be used and don't deviate from the directions uh, because there can be unintended consequences for you or the clients. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is, is if you use the products properly and use them safely, uh, then the client's going to have a wonderful experience. You're going to make money and everyone's happy and they'll come back. You have repeat business. So my advice is follow directions and use professional products only. Yeah. And a a thing too, that I've run into just listening to what people say is the cost because professional eyelash adhesive can run well, Canada up to $80 a bottle, crazy glue six, you know, and, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, you're going to glue your client's eyelash together. There's no control. There's no insurance, you know, and where is the professionalism when you start cheating your client to me that's you know they're paying you a hundred and some dollars you better use what you're supposed to use on them right yeah i agree with that i I don't think that um you're really helping yourself when you do this Uh, the problems you can create in the long run are tremendous Uh, my advice would be raise your prices so that you can afford to use professional products and explain to your clients the cost of your products and that you're using professional be be bold about it. Tell them what you use. I use the best, da, 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 et cetera. So make that a, a selling point. Uh, then your clients are going, people don't want the cheapest. There are people who want the cheapest. You don't want them for your clients. You want the people who are going to be good, responsible clients who understand that quality costs extra money and that your time is valuable. Uh, so don't be worried about getting every client. Find the best clients, educate them well, and use the best products on them, and you'll have those clients for life. Mm-hmm. What did they say? Good nails aren't cheap, and cheap nails aren't good. <laughs> right? That's very true. Uh, that's a great statement also. Yeah. So can we talk about hair hair a little bit? Because sure. it's keratin. I know you're keratin-based. So um, example, over-the-counter hair products as opposed to professional hair products. I know just the other day, my friend went and she, you know, got her hair done and it was all beautiful, nicely streaked. So now it's porous. So she went out and bought a hair mask, a colored hair mask to, you know, brighten it up, but her hair turned blue. (laughs) So, you know, unintended consequences, right? So she, went to a professional to get it to look good and then went to, you know, a drugstore and, and purchased what didn't work chemically. Yeah. So do you want to touch on yeah. why maybe that happened or? Well, they're incompatible mixtures or things that aren't, you shouldn't put the two of them together. This is what a professional product line will do. They'll find compatibilities and make sure things work together in, in a synergistic way. Synergistic means that if this is good and this is good, the two of them together are great. So they elevate each other. So that's really the goal of a professional line is to create synergistic blends that one helps the next product, helps the next product. And if you go out and start cherry picking and pulling your own products and put them together, you're again out on a limb. 
<laughs> why do that? Pay a little extra for the products that you don't cherry pick and you're following this professional system. Uh, that's really an important way to go, especially when it comes to eyelash products. Uh, hair products too. Hair products, you can get discoloration. Eyelash products, you get infections of the eye and damage to the eye. Uh, that's a little more serious than some messing up someone's hair color. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> you mess up a client's hair color, don't be living in a small town because the word's <laughs> going to get around real quick. You messed up my hair color and now you've got a reputation to live down. Uh, so it's really important. The reputation of the salon and the nail technician or the stylist are very, very important. And the way to maintain that is by taking your professional responsibilities seriously and using professional products as directed. Don't make up your own directions. If you think you found a new way of doing it, call the company and ask them, are there any downsides to this or any problems with this? Talk to somebody more educated, more knowledgeable. They may be able to save you from creating a next fiasco. Right, right. Doug, you've created state-of-the-art products that are standalone products in the industry. I, I know of several that they're just your own creation, which is absolutely amazing. How long does it take to go maybe some of those from start to finish before they're actually on a shelf? How much testing um, on, because you have to test on humans, right? To see how it works. So how do you have a ballpark average? How long? I mean, sure, well, each one's different. It but. could be infinity because you may start working on a project and it go nowhere. That's always the downside. A research project means no one's done it before. It may not be possible, <laughs> uh, but assuming that something is possible and you develop a product, you know, that could be, uh, it's not months. It could be years. Uh, it could be six months. It could be six years, uh, depending on the complexity of the product. Uh, but really the majority of the, of the time spent is, is in testing. Uh, I think that's where our industry falls down. Many manufacturers will get one or two testers that they are their favorite testers to say, what do you think of this? Well, they've developed a product that one or two people like. Okay, it's a big world. So I really spend much more time in testing. Now, I test in a wide range of salons and a wide range of conditions, even internationally, because different humidities, different climates, different cultures uh, use products in different ways. So to really make a product that's truly an international universal product requires as much testing sometimes as it does in the product development. So I've tested products for more than a year before launching them. So it really depends on the complexity of the product. A nail oil obviously isn't going to take that long. Mm -hmm. But if you're just developing something that's cutting edge, that's never been done before, again, it could be uh, a year to infinity. Wow. Do you even know, remember how many patents you actually have or you just keep? I think I have 18 in the U.S. and like 24 international, including international wow. too. Congratulations. Thank that you. is quite a feat. And you talked about mentors. Um, you are a mentor to me. You absolutely are a mentor to me and teaching the teachers. And, and, you know, they say, if you're the smartest one in the room, you better find another room <laughs> because you always right. want to keep learning. Right. And yep. um, I, I admire you so much. And I just wanted to say back to what we were talking about, about how long it takes to get something to market that I heard once it says the difficult takes a lot of time, but the impossible just might take a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> You're up full of great quotes today. That's, that's really very <laughs> know, true. It is that, true. 
I, I like to work on the impossible because that's to me the real challenging things that uh, things that other people don't want to do. I tell you, that's horribly frustrating sometimes, uh, but it's incredibly rewarding when when you come up with a solution that no one's thought of before. Mm-hmm. So my, I think my parting message to people would be challenge yourself. Don't, don't just get comfortable. Challenge yourself to do something new. Challenge yourself to do something you haven't done before. Challenge yourself to try something and, and, and expand your, your way of thinking. Uh, that's an exciting way to live. And it's a lot more fun than going home and watching TV. Absolutely. And that's what keeps you going. That's your drive, right? You, you're always that's why I don't watch TV. very much TV. <laughs> Good for you. Wait, I'm sure you're not inspired by Netflix. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I'm not against it. I, I've seen some really great shows, but my focus is is not on entertainment. I don't want to be entertained. My focus is on discovery and learning. Well, you're definitely uh, so, a creator. Yeah, entertaining, being entertained can take you away from those things. So there's nothing wrong with entertainment. But when it takes you away from from other things that are more important, then then I will question that. Yeah. Wow, you, you're just so wise. I love talking to you and I want to have you back on my show as many times okay. as you'll sit in front of me. <laughs> as you call me, I'll do it. Thank you. Do you have any parting words for any of us that we haven't covered? Is there anything you want to leave the audience with? Um, yeah. Um, good is the enemy of great. A mm-hmm. wise man said that once and I've always thought that. If you settled for just being good, you'll never be great. Uh, Try to be great. And if you just achieve good, well, that's good. But always aim for great. Beautifully said. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And if any of you want any more information, Doug, can you tell us how, how our audience can find you? Yeah, or on Facebook. I uh, haven't been there much lately, but uh, I'm, I'm focusing back on that again. Uh, you can always contact me through Facebook with questions. Uh, my books are available on, on Amazon, iTunes, all of them. Face to Face with Doug Shoon, pretty easy to find. There's three volumes. First volume is on natural nails. The second volume, first volume is on artificial nails. Second volume is on natural nails. And the third volume is a combination of a bunch of stuff. Um, so please check them out. If you have questions, you can send them to me on Facebook and uh, I'll definitely try to address them. So also, are you mostly in your books talking about nails, hair, makeup? What, what are your books based on? These books are strictly, the face-to-face with Doug Shum books are strictly nails. Okay. Uh, in fact, I, I wrote a book hair related, but that was so long ago. My focus now is education is entirely nails. I'm not doing any hair education, some lash, but almost entirely nails when it comes to education. Wow, that just shows how much knowledge there is. How much? You know, and I, I'm learning stuff new all the time. So if you think you've learned it all, you're wrong. <laughs> well, um, in closing, I want to thank you again for being with us. And um, I will also be having your information on my website. So if people want to reach you, they can always go to misscheryl.com and you can access Doug's information for that. And also on um, my website, we have a book, an ebook, it's free, and it's called Setback to Success. Is a career in the beauty industry your answer to safety, sustainability, and job security? And we touch on different aspects of the beauty industry in there. And that leads us to the book that Doug is a contributing author in 
called Career in the Beauty Industry, Discover If It's For You. And that is where you will find over 400 years of wisdom from some of our contributors in that book. So again, I just want to thank you, Doug, for, for being with me on this show. I always love having you as one of my guests. Thank so, you. I look forward to coming back. It was fun. Uh, we look forward to having you. So this is Cheryl Thibault, and thank you again for coming on to the Walk of Life, Passion, Purpose, and People. Remember to hit the subscribe button. We'd love to have you give us a five-star review. So thanks again for joining. This is Cheryl signing off. And in the words of my younger brother, bye for now. <laughs>